0: Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Demystifying markets for you today, joined by Cheng Chai Sun, who is head of investment at Provident. Good morning, Chai Sun. How are you? morning, Michelle. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good to have you with us. So it seems that just this past week, the market narrative has shifted. Uh, just about three days ago, we were asking why did the U.S. market sell off? Um, what do the falling bond yields point to? What was the real culprit for the sell-off in the stock market? And today, it looks like, um, you know, we're all discussing how the number one fear for investors no longer seems to be inflation. What do you think is the main narrative shaping markets now?
1: Yeah, so... <clears throat> We've got to, I guess, understand why markets were going up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier in the year, uh, the U.S. passed the massive stimulus bill uh, uh, for COVID. You know, they gave a second round of uh, checks to the people and uh, that prompted a lot of uh optimism that the economic rebound would be strong, it would be um, fueled by all this extra stimulus coming in and then there was this optimism that uh, there would be a big infrastructure bill that the uh, Biden administration was looking to pass and uh, the optimism that they were able to pass the stimulus bill without any um, uh, I think votes from the Republicans uh, gave a lot of optimism that this infrastructure bill would go through. fairly smoothly and quickly. But uh, that's not been the case. So this infrastructure bill, firstly, has been a bit bogged down. Mm-hmm. So that uh, sort of scaling back the expectations that uh, economic growth is going to be um, a lot higher than, than people were thinking at the start of the year. And also the Fed has also started to come out to say that they have noticed um, a lot of uh, uh, a bit more overheating in the economy. They are very aware of inflation. There is the chart, and they've started talking about when they might possibly start to raise rates, and uh, it's a little sooner than expected. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all that started to make people reassess, you know, what valuations are, where where the market prices are, and that has probably caused a bit of a pullback in the stock markets uh, in the last couple of. Well last week uh, till midweek really
0: okay, so do you think yeah, this pullback well. is likely a hiccup, or are we likely to see more of such stutters?
1: Um, well, markets don't go up in a straight line, so there will always be stutters, uh, and it's just a normal functioning of the markets as they try to price in uh, the available information, mm. so you know prior to sometime uh, maybe last last week or the week before, we didn't know you know. If the Fed was going to raise rates earlier, you know, but but now we do, uh, you know, as as more information unfolds, maybe the infrastructure bill might suddenly, you know, pass through uh, and uh, uh, pump a lot more uh, fiscal spending into the economy, U.S. economy than expected, and then the markets will, you know, rally again. So so I think it's um, I mean. I, I know it sounds a bit uh, cliche, but, you know, it's really something that nobody can predict. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, what investors should be focusing on is understanding that, you know, the markets are always trying to price in all the information uh, available at any point in time. You know, and the prices that they see is probably reflecting the best guess of all the market participants of what's going to happen, uh, of what companies or assets are worth at that point in time. Good
0: reminder for all of us. Now, when volatility peaks, so, you know, there's concerns about the Delta variant of COVID-19, a still fear of rising interest rates, and uh, some say the fears of stalling economic growth now are considered to be perhaps a bigger threat than inflation to the US economy. So when volatility does peak, what sort of sectors are likely to do well, what sort of sectors are likely to hurt, which could uh, do with a boost?
1: Um, I guess if you're referring to, you know, volatility peaking as meaning when volatility is very very high, uh, I think it's always um the defensive sectors like uh, uh and I think that's a Key thing to remember is why you know stocks are worth what they are. It's because they companies generate cash flow. So you know which sectors are going to have stable cash flows even when the economy is not doing so well. You know which sectors are going to have stable cash flows even when um, uh, say say there's a resurgence in COVID. So I think uh, understanding that will help you understand. Maybe which sectors will do well. So if it's a you know economy is not doing so well, you always go with uh, stable things like utilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the telcos because those are quickly becoming sort of utilities. People all you know need a cell phone. All need all have to pay their mobile bills for the data connection. So so all these com- uh, companies have very stable cash flows uh, even when the economy is not doing so well because the product and service they offer is very sticky, very essential. People sort of need to pay that bill if not um yeah they're going to have no power or no water mm. um so so in terms of covid you know it, it would be companies like you know, the tech companies you know they uh because uh, everybody might be working from home again very often, etc. So, you know, all the tech companies, uh, they're the ones that are going to be providing the services that are in need. So, so uh, I guess look for the defensive stocks. Of course, the cyclical stocks, those that depend on a strong, a robust economic growth, like uh, uh, maybe manufacturing, etc., those, those will be more challenged.
0: Okay. Uh, we know second quarter earnings gets underway this week. And uh, what's expected, Refinitiv looking at a huge increase in profits for industrials, which was one of the hardest hit sectors during the pandemic. Uh, could industrials do well in your book?
1: Uh, I mean, if the economy is doing well, definitely, as you can see, uh, the market has already uh, pricing that in uh, because they are expecting the economy to, they were expecting the economy to do very well uh, uh, this year, so uh, industrials uh, have rebounded very strongly, value stocks have rebounded very strongly um, if of course, if that picture changes and uh, the economic outlook starts to look uh, not so rosy then well, industrials won't do so well if, uh, yeah, if if uh, if the economic outlook changes.
0: He's helping us demystify market movements. Cheng Chai Sun is head of investment at Provident. Let's bring it back home and take a look at a stock that's. Been talked about shares of City Developments Limited fell by as much as 4.2% last week following news of a potential restructuring of Chongqing Sincere Yuan Chuang Industrial. Now a bit of background here. Sincere Property Holdings, which CDL has a 51% stake in, is the second largest shareholder of Chongqing Sincere and it is preparing to work with stakeholders and creditors on restructuring. CDL shares to an intraday low of about $6.71, down some 4.2% on the back of that news. So what does Chongqing Sincere's potential restructuring really mean for CDL stock? What do you think, Chai-sun?
1: Yeah, uh Yeah, that's been uh, something that's been uh, making the headlines uh, somewhat uh, mm-hmm. over the past few months. Uh, I think if you look back... Uh, to the last, I think, financial report, CDL did announce that they have written down uh, around $1.8 billion uh, of their investment into Sincere. So... Uh, and that's almost the entire investment into Sincere. So, so you can say that you know, one point eight billion dollars. They have recognized it. It is uh, out there, and that's totally factored into the price. And they just recently commented that you know they have only about one hundred and twenty-six million dollar exposure left into the uh, exposure left uh, into Sincere. So, if you talk about valuation and you talk about you know uh, impact to the company's financials um, that that one hundred and twenty six million dollars is uh, is a really really small part of their balance sheet uh, it, it, and and um, it is somewhat uh, insignificant I think uh, what's key is to you know uh, focus on what the management is doing and uh, they've said that they are not you know going to pump any more money into sincere they, they've sort of ring fenced it mm-hmm. they're not going to to Add to any more exposure there, so I guess from that sense uh, uh, whatever happens in uh, the restructuring it 's not going to actually affect you know cdl 's valuation very much because
0: they have such limited exposure
1: yes, they have already you know uh, uh, written off the exposure, so all that has already uh, been uh, impacted the balance sheet and already factored into the stock price. So I mean, for, for now, uh, there, there isn't really that much exposure left. So, mm-hmm. so this event should not have too much of an impact on the share price. And I think you know after that fall and the news came out, I think the next couple of days, the stock has actually recovered. So, so as you can see, um, the impact so far has quite limited
0: all right well let's switch gears and talk about a, another a piece of news that investors haven't stopped talking about since it broke i have to say hundreds of investors who reap some 119 million dollars in so-called profits from one of singapore's most scandalous nickel investments uh, investors who reaped millions with envy global trading may have to return money the some 424 investors had invested in a nickel trading scheme worth about 1.2 billion. Well, it wasn't worth that. That's how big the scheme was, 1.2 billion. And it involved a big spending businessman and, uh, Eng Yuji, who was the former managing director of two trading companies, EGT and Envy Asset Management. So, According to uh, court documents, it's been found that there was no purchase or sale of physical nickel for the purported nickel trading. So there were no investment returns. KPMG said returns paid to investors could not have come from the sale and purchase of actual nickel and that the source of such payments could only be funds paid in by investors. The... Um, uh, the outflow of that is that some investors have agreed with the KPMG proposal that amounts paid out to investors as referral fees or amounts withdrawn beyond the principal invested be returned to the companies. So apart from this case, what I really wanted to find out was, you know, given your experience, what are some possible reasons why investors can be asked to return their dividends? It seems it seems uh, really out there.
1: Um, well actually, I guess you've already uh, mentioned the reason why uh because as um, I think mentioned in the court case uh or the documents um, that there's been no actual uh investment returns or allegedly no actual investment returns, so in that sense uh you know these are not um, uh sort of Returns that are due to these investors, and uh, if you know legally, if there is a is is a case for asking them to sort of return it because of uh, the the alleged uh, fraud, then I guess that's you know that's one of the reasons why investors might have to return some of these gains.
0: So, short answer is, if there's a legal case. Then, as an investor you 're going to have to you 're going to find yourself I mean, but have you ever heard of investors being asked to return their dividends um,
1: Well, not any that have been sort uh, 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 of legally gained or properly you know uh, that are actual investment gains no. yes
0: right right not in recent history right It is very unusual all right um Help us, help us out as investors because the people involved in this particular case, some of them were accredited investors. So, you know, some might say, what, what, possible way was there for man on the street to recognize that this was a fraud. Uh, if you look closely at the details in this case, what was being, you know, uh, offered to investors was some 15% returns per quarter or 60% per annum returns on nickel trading. So my question to you is, as an investment professional, have any other commodity funds offered returns on this scale that you've seen?
1: Um not to my knowledge. I don't think uh have seen anything uh, uh offer that kind of returns. Um I mean I think you know in assessing any kind of investment you always just want to uh keep in mind uh there is no risk without reward. Mm. So you always want to see where your risk uh where the risk free rate is. Uh in this case, you know, in Singapore our ten year uh, Singapore yield, which is our risk-free rate, is around one point, I think one point two percent, maybe right now or thereabouts. Uh, and uh, so, you know, a high yield bond and a high yield bond is a risky investment. Mm-hmm. Would give you about five to six percent a year. So, you know, it, uh, and of course, stocks. You know, you expect them to give you about seven or eight percent a year, and they are already more risky than a high yield bond. So. You know, if something is giving you sixty percent a year, um, you know you're going to have to understand that whatever you're investing in is probably going to be a really, really high risk uh, investment, given where current uh, prices are for other, you know, risky assets. So, so I guess you know, try to keep that in mind when mm. investing any any investment opportunity.
0: Yeah, anything beyond you'd say is five percent, five six seven percent. Uh, the red flag should go up in terms of the risk that you're taking on?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, it, of course, uh, the opportunity might really be there. Mm. there, there you know, definitely there are, there are certain opportunities if you pay, pay it out, get, get it right uh, and it pays off, you, you could make very very high returns but i mean it has to come with a, a high risk too if not there wouldn't be that return
0: all right well thank you very much sound advice there Chin chai son head of investment at provident helping us understand what markets are talking about have a good day chai son all right thanks michelle before acting on the information on money fm please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives financial situation and risk tolerance